0: Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by
1: Amador Whiskey. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT.
0: And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. And while we've got the, uh, the thank yous going, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who stopped by the Eyes on Big podcast tailgate before the Ohio State-Minnesota game.
1: It was amazing. The Eyes on Big tailgate sponsored by Amador Whiskey. Correct. Yeah, it was a great turnout, first of all. I mean, it was what I
0: expected, yet at some point when I was in the middle of it, I realized just how cool it was that it all came together and it was as good as you hoped it would
1: be. I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but it was even then better than I hoped it would be. There's a lot of Big Ten fans hanging out, having a good time, I mean it, and drinking good whiskey.
0: I mean, the uh, shout out to to Brian and the Amador people for Brian yeah. being there and and helping it out, uh, helping out uh, people with the samples. There was people that um, I don't even know if they knew what the podcasts were, but they saw the Amador whiskey logo, yeah. so that's enough for them. People can sniff out a free sample yeah. every now and then. Um, so that was fantastic, but I think you kind of already said it. It was like, all of a sudden I just realized, oh, we have really cool listeners that I've stopped by and what do they want to do? They just want to talk about football and big 10 football
1: and get a little lubed up from Amador. I know I did. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was fantastic, man. Yeah. It's a good time. Um, way to kick off the, the opening week, the first full week,
0: first full season. week. Yeah. yeah you great. can't get any better than that. Um, There are uh, a lot of people that stop by, uh, mostly Minnesota fans because of where we're geographically located for the uh, tailgate, obviously, but a nice mix of Ohio State fans as well. Um, You got a good feeling like not everybody that follows the podcast is on Twitter. You know, there was a lot of people there that aren't on Twitter that just listen to the podcast. So that's kind of a lesson I feel like I learned. Um, I don't know. I, I could just go on and on, but we can't name everybody and thank everybody individually. So I'm going to take the easier route and just not thank anybody specifically. Um, uh, but I might say something that, uh, one person said to me, uh, later on the podcast, but again, awesome event. Couldn't do it without you listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. All right. Let's get into the games. With that being said, we will get into the week one game. Rutgers was supposed to be the first game played on Thursday because of the inclement weather on the East Coast that got moved to Saturday. So as it turns out, the aforementioned game is the first one to talk about this weekend. Ohio State, 45, Minnesota, 31. The Buckeyes with 495 yards of total offense to the Gophers, 408. We saw ourselves a good football
1: contest on Thursday night. Yeah, I thought both teams overall pretty much had a, a good showing for the night. Of course, the, the thing that I was most interested in right off the bat was just what was C.J. Stroud going to look like filling in for Justin Fields, You know, filling in for one of the greatest... I- quarterbacks we've seen in Big 10 history what was it going to look like i mean you know certainly a step down for sure but and he missed some throws but then i'm i'm wondering also it was raining the whole time too so i wonder if that played into it a little bit but then he also made some freaking fantastic throws too um yeah like i feel like you have more of a critiquing
0: eye i think when you're when you're actually physically at the stadium I think like so. cuz you feel like You can see more of the open receivers. Like a play develops a little bit more. You can see what the play design was. And if there's an overthrow or something, it's a little bit more glaring. With that being said, we both kind of were like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, Ohio State is is adjusting to life without C.J. Fields or uh, Justin Fields. Fields. So this is definitely not a knock against C.J. Stroud. Nobody can fit into right. those shoes and just seamlessly be Justin Fields. With that being said, he quote-unquote struggled. He went 13-22 sure. for 294 yards, four touchdowns, one bad pick. He actually had like 10 yards rushing. So he had over 300 yards of total offense
1: and four touchdowns. Yeah, so obviously the stats look great. We did kind of indicate going into this game that – that the uh, wide receivers were going to help him out a ton, and they certainly did in this game. Heck, the running backs helped him out pretty well too.
0: Mayan Williams coming out party. Only nine carries it took him to get to 125 yards with one really long touchdown to start out the scoring in the game. Chris Olave, one of the aforementioned receivers. I mean, we all know Chris Olave and Chris Olave. He looks as good in person as he does on your TV. I'll say that much. Four catches, 117 yards, two touchdowns. You just got a sense. Uh, partway during the game, through the game, that Ryan Day said, okay, this isn't working, my quarterback can't do that, not ready to do that, and Mm -hmm. he just went deeper into the playbook on where he needed to go, and Ryan Day did Ryan Day things. I mean, to me, I don't know if I'm overdoing it, but most of the credit goes to the play play caller for Ohio State. Is that fair? You think so. I I I mean, obviously the talent that he gets to picked the plays for, you know, on the outside is definitely a part of it. Uh, but he leaned on the offensive line in the running game yep. when he needed to. So he didn't get away from the rushing attack. Uh, but then dialing up some of the screens and stuff that were the biggest plays in the game. That, I mean, it was the, incredible. That
1: Travin Henderson play. I mean, a 70-yard touchdown. He had one reception on the game. He didn't run it a whole lot. He only ran twice. Which was weird. I remember during the game thinking that was him a lot of times when Williams was running the ball. I Correct. think. Correct. We were like, confused on that. Yeah. Yeah. We're a long ways up. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, they were a little bit nosebleedy, those <laughs> seats.
0: But as it worked out, perfect because the big Jumbotron was at our back. The rain yeah. was coming down at an angle. We got to stay dry. Now, that is not to completely gloss over the effort that the Minnesota Gophers put up Thursday night for their hometown crowd. They. They were in control of that game pretty much the entire second and big chunks of the third quarter. They got a big ol' offensive line. We've heard about how big yeah. the offensive line is. Guess what? That big ol' offensive line was leaning on the Buckeye front seven, and they gave him all they could handle.
1: Yeah, I mean leaning on it to the tune of Mo Ibrahim, thirty carries for 163 yards. Unfortunately, it goes out of the game <sighs> with that horrible look like Achilles injury. Did you watch the replay yeah, by the way? I did. Did just see like how yes. his how his mm-hmm. his his leg just kind of shuddered when it happened.
0: Like I I feel like maybe I didn't hear from Badger fans a whole bunch, but I felt like obviously Minnesota fans, Iowa fans, Nebraska fans, Ohio State fans, everybody that saw the injury, especially after seeing the performance of of Mo Ibrahim. You know, on the big stage on Thursday night, I think it just kind of gutted everybody for how bad they felt for Mo Ibrahim. Um, when I saw Minnesota fans after the game, they were dejected um, a little bit because of the game, obviously, but mostly because of Mo Ibrahim. I ran into my buddy Ryan, and the first thing he said to me is, Why can't we have nice things? And I know that feeling. I, I honestly, I, my heart goes out for Mo, but. To a certain degree,
1: Gopher fans as well. Right. So speaking of Minnesota playing well, like you said, in the middle of the game, they were 8-14 on third down, which kept them in this game a lot. Before this game, I said I was – so I've been on this emotional roller coaster with the Gopher wide receivers, and so I, I, I kind of went from having confidence to not having confidence. I said, oh, with, with CAB out, they need one to two guys to step up big time. We got that in this game. And and it's crazy because, so Dalen Wright, it was the coming out party for him. His
0: stats didn't wind up being as big as they sure. seemed in the game. Five catches, 57 yards, that really awesome red zone touchdown. When I was at the scrimmage two, two and a half weeks ago, whatever it was, Dalen Wright never saw the field with mm. the uh, first team offense. My take was that he wasn't grasping the offense. But after uh, uh, um, Chris Oppen and Bell went out, my thought process now is they realize Dalen Wright was their new number one most important person on the offense. I think they held him out of the scrimmage to keep him healthy. Or at least... Or- they just forced him into action and said, Dalen, it's your time, whether you're ready or not. I don't know yeah. what the backdrop was, but I'll say this much. Dalen Wright put on a little bit of a
1: show. He did, and Daniel Jackson looked really good, too. And they discovered that you can throw to the tight ends. A little Brevin, bit. Brevin Spanford had three catches on Correct. the game, too. So it was it was nice to see them uh, use these other wide receivers. And I'm I'm really encouraged for when CAB does come back into the lineup.
0: Yes, I think there could be a little bit better pass catcher, certainly, than I gave him credit for before the season. Um, I think it's confirmed that it's a high ankle sprain for Chris Ottman-Bell, so we might not see him for a while. But again, Ohio State jumps out to a big lead. Minnesota controlled the middle of the game, which even uh, included
1: making a long field goal, which hasn't happened in the last, I don't know how many years. I was going to point out that their special teams didn't, jump out as terrible they just seemed like special teams could have been better on some of the return stuff but I agree okay. like yeah it was just it was it was
0: a nice effort from the special teams but yeah middle of the game Minnesota has control then kind of late in the third quarter if I if my memory serves correctly in the rest of the fourth quarter you know I hate to use the old trope I just think it's true the the overall talent on the outside for Ohio State just kind of took over and and Ohio State wins the game
1: another thing I help I think helped the gophers the that that huge advantage in time of possession. We know that's one of the things PJ Fleck always shoots for. So basically 39 minutes to to 21 minutes in the game that helped him out. But of course, the big plays is what ended up being the, the killer for the Govers. I think they pretty much played good defense except for all those big plays, I mean, that, which means they didn't play great defense, but still, you know what I'm saying? Right.
0: And, and obviously the thought process that we kind of touched on in the last podcast was one of the things you would think you would want to do as the Minnesota defensive coordinator, Joe Rossi is just go right after a really young quarterback and, and, See if you can pressure them. That seemed to be the game plan to me. But what happens when you don't get to the quarterback or, or the right play call is called? Yeah. Fifty-six yards, seventy yards, you know, forty-yard touchdowns, and I think that's pretty much what we saw. Yeah. But with that being said, uh, Ohio State moves to one and zero. Minnesota drops to zero and one. Next game up, we just had one on Friday, September 3rd. Michigan State 38, Northwestern 21. Say what? Sparty with 511 yards wow. of total offense. The Wildcats had 392. Uh, Yeah, big day for the new guy on the block. Michigan State uh, running back Kenneth Walker, 23 carries, 264 yards. Four touchdowns, getting him the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, mm. yowser! Right from the start, taking one to the house, and really play. did not stop. The rest, no, yeah,
1: rest of the game. Yeah, I guess the first thing I want to say is that the Michigan State offense looked competent. It looked like a real, honest to God, productive offense, which we haven't seen in a while, I dude. Mean, it, I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm not trying to insult them. I'm just saying, like that jumped out. I'm like, whoa we've got a team here.
0: I would think that Michigan state fans would hear you say that and not be upset. I think they would hear you say that and they would be nodding their head very aggressively because it is, it's just been so long that an explosive Michigan state offense has, has that we've been able to uh, take a look at an explosive Michigan state offense. I think you even saw it when they had crowd shots of Michigan state and you, their fans were like flabbergasted. They were just stunned at what happened, but that wasn't his only impressive carry dude he was all over the field i mean cuts showing quickness showing um um top line speed I don't think he's going to run for 264 yards of offense every week, but I don't know. Sometimes you see this out of running backs. That first big game of the year feeds into a big season the rest yeah. of the year. We, we will see how big of a player Kenneth Walker
1: is in the Big Ten race for the rest of the year. And this is a big part of why I didn't have a lot of faith in Michigan State. Is cause the roster was so unknown. He's, tra- he's the transfer from Wake Forest. We, did, we just didn't really know how he was going to fit in this offense. Peyton Thorne didn't look great but no. he looked serviceable he right. looked good enough to get the job done and just let his I mean, I, offensive line and running game take over there you over. go i was just going to say like I, I really don't think it was that much where
0: Peyton Thorne, it's just that he didn't he there was not a big need for him to make plays at that point sure. stay out of your own and yeah. your own team's way and don't make the mistake so you got to give him credit for that by the way i give you credit you called that Peyton Thorne would be the starting quarterback. Did you have some insider information you were holding out? I it was just a gut feeling that you... It's more like I was just cheering for him. Okay, all right, so good job. Um, uh, Jalen Reed, pretty nice day, too. Five catches, 64 yards. Um, I was thinking to myself, wow, when is the last time
1: Northwestern,
0: a Northwestern defense, has given up
1: that much rushing? Okay. Or, okay. or just total yards in jail, 511 yards, but then they give it 326 rushing. So. Right. Okay, so and I need to guess, huh? How long? Okay, it's kind of a trick question. Oh, see, see, well, it was probably yeah. 2019, wasn't it? <laughs> it, was, it was It was almost the
0: last time they were on the field. Remember that uh, running back, Trace Herman? Oh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> like it was kind of Chappie and I were having a DM message on. He's like, uh, well, actually, it just happened. I, but, anyways, like, do you know the total from that game? I, I don't, not off the top of my head. I didn't okay. look at it. Was up, it more, though? I think it was about the same. Okay. But, anyways, this was kind of a different deal. Like Trey Sermon got those yards because Northwestern, very, uh, uh, um, intelligently dropped basically seven or eight back in coverage the whole sure. time to yep. stop Justin Fields from just passing around. That's obviously what led to the Trey Sermon rushing yards. In this case, this was a base Northwestern defense that just could not locate the running back. Um, even in that long, thick Northwestern grass, he was still sprinting around. Like it just was not as athletic looking. Northwestern defense that and crisp defense that we've seen. I'm not trying to make too big of a bigger deal out of this than it is, but this is the first time this defense has been on the field with a different defensive coordinator. There's got to be a little bit
1: of a drop in confidence out of Northwestern fans. I mean, yeah, drop in confidence. But then at the same time, do you get a little bit of a pass for it being game one? if I'm a Northwestern fan, just give it a little time here.
0: I definitely think so. I mean, I still have uh, uh, faith that Pat Fitzgerald and, and this very well-coached, intelligent defense
1: is going to pick things up a little bit. By the way, I have to point out, 8.8 8 yards per carry. They it's insane. 8.8. Yeah, Northwestern defense. That's insane. And it's not like it was just a handful of carries. No, that's the thing. 37 like it, ca- carries. The way this
0: rushing attack hit Northwestern was a different flavor compared to Ohio State. And just a little bit more Northwestern. I mean, Hunter Johnson definitely looks oh better as Lord. compared to the two years ago, Hunter
1: Johnson. It was, I mean,
0: it was miraculous, the difference. I mean, he just looked confident. He looked confident, he looked like
1: competent. I would say there he he looked pretty good. 30 of
0: 43, 275 yards, 3 touchdowns, no picks. I mean Really, the but issue was not was the Northwestern no. offense in between the 20s. It was the well, yeah. red zone offense that just sputtered out. Well, it was just a lack of field running goals, game too running game.
1: Yeah. So, with, I mean. With Cam Porter out and your leading rusher being Evan Hall, he only carried the ball nine times. But he got
0: 87 yards. Yeah. But it was bursts. Like, I don't know if I'm explaining it. Like, he would have bursts of yards. But then there would be series at a time where just nothing was happening. Yeah. with it. So, it wasn't a consistent running a game. So, like. I came. Well, out his long of, was forty nine. Correct.
1: So I mean, that's half the
0: yards right yeah. there, or um, over half. So, but that's my point. Like the consistency wasn't there. There uh-huh. was there was pockets of offense for Northwestern, but not enough in the uh, uh, red zone, and that's that's why you get the the the
1: big loss out of Northwestern. So another one I want to talk about for Northwestern was wide receiver Bryce Kurtz. He had a solid game. We're wondering who who are going to be the targets. Seven catches for eighty yards. Um. The, so, another thing, keep in mind, Northwestern's a slow starting team. It's true. It's a good point. The, they do this most years, where yeah. they have a stinker early on in the year. The only thing that's weird about it is it's a it's the conference way it, game. Yeah, so, but,
0: you you start 0-1 in league play. And the way it looked. Right. We're right. used to it being Duke, you know, or somebody like that. Well, yeah, that just it just doesn't make any difference. But we're,
1: we're not used to them giving up 326 yards rushing, and then only running for 117 on the... By their own right, so, so and then having six penalties as well, penalties as it's well. That's another, another good
0: point, yeah. and and kind of you know special teams miscues too. Another thing that you just don't expect out of Northwestern. So I guess in the end, another slow Northwestern start, but with a little bit of different flavor as compared to yeah. previous years, right? Uh, so with the win, Michigan State moves to one and zero. Northwestern goes to zero and one. That brings up our full slate of games for Saturday, September 4th. We had eight games, uh, which is pretty tough to keep on track of all of them, uh, especially with Rutgers, you know, slipping in there. We'll kind of try to go chronologically as much as we can. Michigan. Forty-seven, Western Michigan, fourteen. That was my under and my double barrel lock of the week. So I'm one and zero in my double barrels. Pretty happy about that. The Wolver- Wolverines with a robust five hundred and fifty-one yards of total offense to the Broncos three hundred in seventeen. The first note I would say is whenever Michigan play plays directional Michigan, U, there's a way that you expect it to look. I believe that's how it looked on Saturday morning.
1: Yeah, I had a friend in for for the weekend. We sat on the couch all weekend and just ate pizza and drank and watched football. It was fantastic. And he asked me, what do you need to see from Michigan to, to regain your confidence in them for this season? Great I'm like, question, Pete. Yeah, Pete. And So I says, well, I want to see 50-something to single-digit final score. And it, it you're didn't, darn close. Well, it didn't come out to that, but it certainly seemed like it, it was really. And that's, a, that that's a
0: high watermark that you put out there, but they almost hit it.
1: Well, they almost didn't. And they, and they could have hit it. I mean, yeah. they were taking starters out like crazy in the second half. This, this was an absolute beatdown. It was. The start.
0: It was. I mean, Michigan State. A lot of big rushing yards. How about Michigan? 335 yards rushing out of Michigan. That's the most rushing uh, total they've had in five years. Mm. Uh, Blake Corum... 111
1: yards, Hassan Haskins, 70 yards. And how about A.J. Henning, the wide receiver? One carry, 74 yards rushing. Okay, so I'm always talking about the lack of explosive plays for Michigan offensively. They had explosive plays from Blake Coram. They had it from Ronnie Bell, which, by the way, that one-handed catch, it looked like a catch to me. I don't know how that wasn't. A.J. Henning, and then you mentioned Hassan Haskins. I saw it. I finally started seeing it, this game. Now, unfortunately, Ronnie Bell left this yeah game. that's another, too bad and another I, guy leaving the a game with an injury so hopefully he's okay but it looked like it might be kind of serious yeah the the, the
0: first kind of whispers i've seen on twitter and heard on big 10 network was not very encouraging no. i i hope he's okay um dalen baldwin also one catch 69 yards and a touchdown so yeah there was explosive plays all over the place cade mcnamara you know kind of along the same lines as what we mentioned before wasn't much needed from him. So much was happening right. in the rushing attack. It was pretty much don't screw it up. So how about going nine for 11, 136 yards, two touchdowns and no picks? I mean, for 11 attempts,
1: you can't get much better no, than he, that. He was solid. And even when J.J. McCarthy came in, he looked great. Really. He looked good. Boy, he's got he, an arm. Okay. You saw it. He's got a cannon. Okay. I, yeah.
0: I That was one of the things I was most excited to get your take on. So oh, okay. you, you saw it too. Like, oh, I was impressed. Okay. Yes. I mean, there's... Still, more decision making stuff that we just don't know about yet. That we got to see how that goes, you know. But that
1: that pass across the field that he dropped over that defensive back right to the wide receiver that was beautiful, dude. He's got a little bit of magician for touch for his arm. So, and by the way, Western Mission scored on their first drive and then a garbage touchdown on their last drive, and they did nothing in between that. Correct, it was there was, was there was. 88% 88% of the talent was
0: on one team that I saw in so, the field at any given yeah, time. So we talk- defense looked good, too. I mean, we're mostly
1: talking about the offense here, but I thought all three levels of the defense looked good, Yeah, too. I was going to say Mike McDonald, his first game, too, and it didn't look like it. They came right out of the gate and looked yeah. fantastic. And I tell you what's crazy. I mean, we were, we're not going to do a deep dive, but you look at Michigan's schedule, right?
0: And then suddenly Washington, who gets beat by Montana. Yeah. Now suddenly you look at the first month of Michigan's schedule, They could get off to a pretty hot
1: start. They could. Yeah. And they kept Caleb Ellaby in check. We talked about what a good quarterback he is for Western Michigan. Vincent Gray, he looked really good after kind of a down year last year. They only gave up two runs of 10 yards or more. Fantastic. All around for Michigan. Michigan. Well done. You look like Michigan. And and now I can start to see what all these Michigan fans have been trying to convince me of. Maybe, Maybe. Correct. Yeah. We, I want a little bit more consistency on the sure. offense. I, I still have, I I continue to have faith in the defense. I, I will
0: want to see more consistency, which you'll get next week, by the way, Washington has some issues on offense, but their defense is still pretty good. So it's still going to be kind of an interesting matchup. Just Western Michigan, but a good start. Absolutely. Hey, in, in the end, you, Whoever is on your schedule, you can't control that as a player and coach for the most part. So when you see a Western Michigan, you should beat them something like I don't know, forty-seven to fourteen, yeah. and you did it, you pulled it off. Right. So next game up, Nebraska fifty-two, Fordham seven. I had fifty-two to ten in my predictions. Really, I was a field goal off. I, what did I have? Forty-five to seventeen. Forty-five to seventeen. Huskers with six hundred and thirty-three yards of total offense to the poor Rams two hundred. And 92, so pretty bounced attack for Nebraska, 329 yards rushing, 304 yards passing, 2 a.m., 17 of 23, 254 yards passing and a touchdown, 8 carries for 33 yards and 2 touchdowns, I don't know, I still think eight's too much for him to carry in a game like
1: this, maybe yeah. just get it to like 3 or 4. But... Okay, I agree, but here's what I do like, Marquis Step. 18 carries, 101 yards to lead the team. Yes. A running back led the team in rushing. I probably now, should have done some sort of questions to my to a Nebraska follower,
0: but, like, I don't know when's the last time a running back is literally, was it, was it maybe Rutgers at the end of the year, last year? I think that's what it was. Okay. But out of the last, I don't know, I'm just going to say 12 games, I don't know how many games have been rushing attack led by a running back. Now, the one thing I would point out, though, the next three oh, rushers. I was going to say it. If you okay. Want. Uh smothers wide receiver Torre, and another quarterback, obviously with Adrian Martinez that we had to get all the way down to the fourth and fifth guys. And that was uh Sevian Morrison, nine carries for only 31 yards, which is a 3.4 yard average. He did have the two touchdowns. Marvin Scott, 30 yards on six carries. Um, it, the, so the total rushing yards, 329 is very good, but against Fordham, I, I would have liked to have seen an even higher percentage in
1: yards per carry, strictly out of the running backs. Oh, the running backs. Or, is that okay? Yeah, I didn't know if I was nitpicking there a little bit. No, but. I mean I guess it's like it's a step in the right direction, but just still want a little more. That is fair.
0: Okay. And Samara Torrid, another big game. uh, Eight catches, 133 yards, didn't get in the end zone, but he's obviously a
1: big part of the Nebraska offense. He did get in the end zone, rushing the ball, three carries, 35 yards, and one touchdown. Yes, that too. Yes, just didn't get in receiving. receiving. So So, I don't
0: know how much we can
1: really learn from this game Not itself that much, but, because right. here's what really happened is they started out slow and the defense kind of sparked them back into the game. The, had JJ Doman with an interception, JoJo. uh, Jojo, I'm sorry. Jojo Doman with the interception. Markel Desmuke blocks that field goal. You have two interceptions by Nianté Williams. So the, I think you kind of called it by the way. You said watch out for the letdown after the Illinois game and slow start. Yeah. I think that's pretty much what we saw. But then and, you saw their defense take over and then yeah. then the whole team got shifted into gear and was fine. Um they had so they had 4 fumbles. Is that right? Yeah. Um sounds right. Nebraska had 4 fumbles N- in yep. the game. It's, it's, but again. they only but they only gave up 2. But my point is that's a little sloppiness. But the good news Only two penalties. Correct, and they weren't back-breaking penalties. Not that I don't know if you would have noticed so much against Fordham,
0: but I wouldn't say it was as impressive of a dominating performance as you would hope it would be, and what the score would indicate. There's still a little bit of work to do on the offensive side of the ball. I still, I still have faith in the defense, though. There's nothing I saw
1: on Saturday that that has that has any concerns for the defense. Fair enough. Fair enough. The defense looks great. A little more out of the running game from the running backs and just take care of the football.
0: Correct. So with the win, Nebraska goes to one and one, and Scott Frost celebrates by walking off the field with his family. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Next game up, the one that slid into Saturday, Rutgers 61, Temple 14. The Scarlet Knights with much just dominated them, right? Total yards, 365 yards of total offense to the Owls 261. Say, what? Well, remember last year when Rutgers started out the oh, year yeah. by turning the ball over approximately was, 17 times? Yeah. How about just forcing the other team to turn the ball over about that much? Guess what happens, and then you win that game. Well, yeah. No, last year they turned—
1: That's they, no, they got- what I'm
0: saying. Rutgers, they turned the ball over last year to start the year with it's completely reverse. This year, Temple's the one that turned the ball over like crazy. But Michigan State was
1: the one turning the ball over, was No, I, I mean— Okay, no.
0: Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, I'm off. Okay. Yeah. So I so, guess, I
1: guess Rutgers loves to turn the ball over at the beginning of the
0: year all the time. Get the other team. Okay, to, yeah. Bad. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, but yeah. So you would think it was more dominating that, but it was just now, now. part of it is this though. I mean, one of them was a pick six, right? For a touchdown. The other was, there was just so many short field times where the offense sure. had the ball. To a certain degree, there just wasn't an opportunity for yeah. the Rutgers offense to explode because they didn't have enough field to do it. With that being said, we would have wanted to see more offense out of Rutgers versus a Temple team that most people don't think is going to be very good.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, 220 yards rushing, 4.3 yard average. That's solid. Didn't get a heck of a lot out of Noah Vedral, unfortunately. Um, no, the, but the defense overall. Correct. I mean, unbelievable. They were disruptive. Ola Kunle Farakasi it, has, another, has it, yeah. another great game. Four but, tackles for loss. Yeah, overall they had three sacks, ten tackles for a loss, five turnovers, three of those fumble recoveries, uh, two interceptions. They, they just played great defensively.
0: So if they get that... Uh, effort out of their defense every week, they're going to be in a lot of gains, but you want to, so I, I don't think it's, it's wrong to say that it's going to be tough for Rutgers to get a ton out of their passing game the rest of the year, unless their new freshman quarterback who just transferred in can right. suddenly take the reins. I don't think he's going to be up to speed no. for quite some time. Noah Vedrill is fine. I still contend that he's fine. But there wasn't enough big plays. I guess the biggest concern for me is Isaiah uh, Pacheco,
1: 15 carries for yeah.
0: 48 yards. That's only a 3.2-yard average. This is
1: kind of looking Nebraska-ish, really, because federal led the team in rushing. Correct. And so, yeah, you want a lot more out of that. I mean, I, the, the backup situation at quarterback at Rutgers is,
0: I mean, it very well might be a freshman that's getting on campus, like, in the next couple of days. So you want to keep Vedral healthy. So I would think you would want to get the rushing attack going more through the running backs. There's a lot to work on for Rutgers here. But again, I do think they were the better team on Saturday. I don't oh, think that's so yeah. what I said in the last podcast. Will we walk away from this game just thinking uh, Rutgers is the better team? I think we got that, but yet there's still more to build on. And you know who that's perfect for? Greg Ciano, baby.
1: He's got enough in the film room, but yet they get the win. And I love that they had a sold-out stadium to to play in front of. That's fantastic. Couple other highlights. Aaron Crookshank had six total returns for 168 yards. Adam Corsack averaged 49.7 yards per punt. It's almost like it's almost like their head
0: coach knows the strength and weaknesses to his team. Yeah. So he caters
1: the game plan and what he's doing to those strengths and weaknesses and it won this week. Another thing that was fun about this game, a Bo Melton wide receiver touchdown. Followed quickly by a Max Melton pick six touchdown. Fun stuff. The brothers taking it to the house. Fantastic.
0: All right, with the win, Rutgers moves to one and zero. Now we move into the afternoon games. First game up: Riley Moss, fourteen, Indiana six. <laughs> That's I had to take Iowa thirty four, Indiana six. The Hawkeyes with three hundred and three yards, or excuse me, three hundred and three total yards. To the Hoosiers 233. Um, that is now four straight wins over ranked teams
1: by Iowa. Wow, no that's, kidding. Uh,
0: that's quite the thing.
1: That's not too shabby. Speaking of ranked wins, one thing I wanted out of Indiana is I always talk about these big boy games, and I said, this is a big boy game. You got to do big boy things. They didn't put their big boy pants on. No. They kept their diaper on it, and then they just promptly filled it with duty. Yeah. Terrible from the start. Yeah. They didn't um, even show up to play this game.
0: Now, well, I half agree with you, I guess. I mean, right at the beginning of the game, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, the rushing attack. So that was something that we had talked about on the last podcast on on what swayed me into thinking that the game favored the Hawkeyes is I believed Iowa had the stronger rushing attack. We saw that Iowa had 158 yards on the ground versus a very tough yeah, uh, Indiana front seven and just defense in general. The Hoosiers could only manage 77 yards rushing, and trust me, they tried. It wasn't that they gave up on the rushing attack. It just was not available for them. But in the end, uh, it was a limp performance by Michael Penix. Thir- 14 of 31, 156 yards, zero touchdowns, and three picks. Not only did he have three picks, two Went the other way for Iowa, specifically to Riley Moss. I I don't think you could go back through Penix's film
1: and find a worse performance than he put on in Kinnick on Saturday afternoon. No, I mean this is definitely the lowest point of his career. But I think a lot of that has to do with the Iowa defense. Maybe they controlled the line. They held IU to two point five yards per carry. The long play I think on the day was only thirty three yards that they gave up. This was uh, it's it's the Iowa defense that we kind of. You know, come to know and expect. And, oh, they lost all these guys to the NFL. They got to take a step back. It sure didn't look like it. No. Uh, So,
0: I'm going to go ahead and say the jury is still out a little bit on the Iowa defensive line because, I'll be honest with you, I'm not real sure how strong the Indiana offensive line is. I mean, we'll learn more about the Iowa defensive line in the next couple weeks here. But, I'll say this. The back seven. Of Iowa's defense. I mean, I feel like I talked him up quite a bit on previous podcasts. Brother, they were running the routes for the Indiana wide receivers, linebackers and D-backs. I know this is hyperbola, but like I have never seen a performance in person at Kinnick on our back seven more than what I saw. Really? It was incredible. Like there was like Penix deserves. Some of the blame. Don't get me wrong. There's some balls that he simply should not have thrown. But I'll say this: there was nowhere to go with the ball. It was just that dominating. Wow. You give Phil Parker a couple months on a big game like that. I mean, this is something I kept thinking about. Is usually the first game of the year is directional. You, you know, and I don't think maybe they put quite as much into the game plan. Something kind of makes me think that. There was a couple extra practices for Indiana to get the the sure. football team off to a 1-0 Big Ten start, and I think that showed up. Uh, Spencer Petras, he did what he needed to do, 13-27, 145 yards, zero touchdowns, zero picks. Nothing for eye-popping stats, but very quickly in the game when uh, Tyler Goodson, by the way, 19 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown When it was 14 to nothing and then 21 to three, I believe it was, at that point, I think the job of a quarterback is to just not lose the game. Sure. I felt like he did look a little bit more crisp. Not saying that the Spencer Peters coming out party happened on Saturday. I'm just saying I saw some improvements, and especially with him looking calmer and not making mistakes.
1: Well, I think overall, just offensively, the, the offense looked okay, but they just didn't need to do any more than they, than they did.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only thing I walked away really concerned with for Iowa is the pass-catching targets. I see a lot of solid guys, but no game-breakers that were getting open. Mm-hmm. But is that probably because, I mean, certainly part of it is, dude,
1: Indiana's defense is as advertised. This oh, is a really good defense. Well, and so the defense only gave up 20 points. Let's remember that. You know, the two pick sixes are obviously not on them, and those – the, they had that one long Tyler Goodson run, which was their really their big mistake on defense all Correct. day. And then the, the the only other touchdown was petrus running up the middle there on, the, on his yep. touchdown run. Yeah, which so is a heck of a play call. I thought the Indiana defense looked great. But yes, let's go back to their offensive line. They're off. This is this is Achilles' heel of this team,
0: and it's something that's going to have to get addressed. They have to get some sort of balance on offense, otherwise teams are just going to tee off on Penix. Yeah, I still contend that he's a big play guy, but when those big plays are not available, this offense struggles. We really did see that last year. It just didn't hurt him as much. I kind of wonder if it will this year. With that being said, I came away. Definitely convinced that Iowa is better than Indiana. I don't think they're 28 points better than no. Indiana. It's probably closer to 10 to 14 points, but it, but Indiana definitely is going to have to step it up on the field. They're also going to have to step it up in the equipment room, seeing as all the freshmen's jerseys were spelled Indinia instead of Wait, Indiana. Was it all the freshmen? I, I, I don't know if it was all, but it was enough to, to get people's um, credit. Wow, their, their I don't junior. know
1: how you let that slip by. I don't know. That's, that's tough to do. in Denia, right? Yep. It said denia. Right. By the way, since we love punting so much, Tory Taylor averaged 49 and a half on his punts. I
0: tell you what, it was 49 and a half. And brother, it was, I mean, we are talking yards away from being an even higher average because he dropped three punts. Like, like in one was like, I'm going to say on the one and a half yard line, it, it just popped straight back like a wedge. Okay. Uh, no, that one was right in the end zone. It popped straight back in a wedge and just died. Yeah, if that thing would have landed on the one and a half okay. yard line. It would have landed. It would have finished on the three. Right. And he had another one just like that. He was almost Ugh. dialed
1: in. It, both those punts were right in front of my brother and I. It was. It was gorgeous. How many? How, how many minutes on average do we talk about punting? Not enough. Not enough. Let's just keep going. And whatever it is, it's that many more than any other podcast out there. And I think we should be proud of that. I think so. All right. We will take a break real quick
0: to hear from our sponsor. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sipped, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey, born in Kentucky, raised in California. All right, moving on throughout the afternoon, Oregon, or excuse me, Purdue 30, Oregon State 21. Purdue with 401 yards of total offense to the Beavers, 363. We got a big day out of Jake Plummer. We did get a big day out of Jake Plummer, which is kind of what you expect. Yep. You usually expect a big day. Whoever
1: whoever the quarterback is, I think you could pretty much just interchange them. The stats probably would have been pretty similar. And you expect David Bell to have a big day, and I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to just expect Xander Horvath to have pretty big days. He did pretty well as well. But I think most importantly... The defense looked better. It I did think.
0: look better. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway was the the Purdue quarterbacks kind of went back to being Purdue quarterbacks. I mean, Jake Plummer, 29 of 41, 314 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um Now, out of 401 yards rushing, only 88, or excuse me, 401 yards of total offense, yep. only 88 came from the rushing. That's what we're used to, right? Now, okay, we don't know how good these teams are going to be. But, again, we talked about in the last podcast. This wasn't just a bad Oregon State rushing defense last year. It was, like, abysmal. You're right. So, if I'm a Purdue fan, I'm either thinking, okay, my head coach was very confident in the rushing attack and didn't need to lean on it. (laughs) That's really glass half full. Or you better hope that Oregon State really is much improved on their rushing attack because it it was not an explosive rushing attack again. For no, they
1: they only averaged two point seven yards per carry.
0: Maybe it doesn't mean matter that much sometimes, but you know especially earlier in the year. I mean especially when you got David Bell going eight for one hundred and thirty four yards. So David Bell doing David Bell things. So good win for Purdue. They needed something in the good feels department to get the year off going. So a 30 to 21 victory definitely helps do that. It's a power five win. Okay. So that's good. Good for the conference. Good for Purdue. This is what you wanted
1: to see. I just, I kind of wonder how much we learned from Purdue in this game. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean like I said, I, I learned that their defense is improving. Their offensive line still has a long way to go. Obviously the ru- the running part, but they gave up 9 tackles for loss as well. It's just they've got they've got pro- the whole state of Indiana and in the Big 10 has problems on the offensive it's line. That's a very good point. I I if I'm a Purdue
0: fan, I just I hope Oregon State is going to wind up being a lot punchier than what we think they're going to be. Because if not, this was actually somewhat of a lackluster performance on the offense. Fair.
1: Yeah,
0: I guess so. I and, mean, you wanted more out of the running game. I think so, but then
1: you also have Payne Durham seven catches, hundred twenty yeah, yards. Payne Durham good, and there's no problems with the passing game.
0: I don't think there's any problems with the passing attack. I just think the jury's still out with the rushing attack and overall on the defense. But if if the defense looked disastrous, you're right, to the tune of 500 yards and, you know, 30 points by Oregon State. That would be a reason to panic. That's not what we had here. So, overall, I think it's a pretty good performance for Purdue week one, correct? I mean, it's it's better. I, I predicted them to lose the game. Yeah. So, good on Purdue. I I predicted them to win but not cover, and that late touchdown really really kind of screwed me yeah. on that, but that's how she goes. Well, so with the win, Purdue obviously moves to – one and zero. All right, next game up: Maryland thirty-four, West Virginia twenty-four. Bring it on, Terps fans! I deserve it. Terps with four hundred and ninety-six yards of total offense to the Mountaineers
1: three hundred and twenty-five yards. That's a that's a power five offense right there. I I I think Helen Michelle has me convinced. I'm saying I'm changing my pick ten and two for the Terps this year. <laughs> but I tell you what, the two things that you felt like
0: or one the one thing that you felt like you could hang your hat on with Maryland was an explosive offense and and steady quarterback play. I mean, Tulia Tungaviola 26 of 36, 332 yards and three touchdowns. If it wasn't for our Michigan State running back, he probably would have been player of the week, you know,
1: doing right. that against West Virginia. He was what, dropping dimes out there. Absolutely. He looked great. And by the way, this is the the good sign here is this is how locks likes to run his offense. Big plays, huge touchdowns. We saw the all over the field. We saw Dante Dimas had a big touchdown where Jarrett had one, uh, the the big bruising running back. they have a little thunder and lightning thing going on in the in the backfield right now.
0: I mean check out these this consistency out of their stars. running back Tyrone Fleet Davis, 123 yards of total offense. wide receiver Dante Demas, 133 yards of total offense. Uh, wide receiver Rakeem Jarrett, 122 yards of total offense. Demas and Raheem Jarrett, both with a touchdown all the big stars that we talked about before the the year. They all showed up on absolutely. Saturday
1: afternoon. So Isaiah Jacobs is whose name I was looking for. He's the bruiser with him and Ty and Fleet Davis, the Thunder and Lightning thing going on there. So they also had four turnovers to zero, Correct. which is great. Correct. I mean, they 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 played fairly clean, five penalties, 39 yards. I'm proud of Locks here.
0: That is the best-looking Maryland team that we've seen since Locks has been in charge. Yeah. Fair so, enough. Absolutely. And if, it, and if it happened versus, again, Directional University – it's not that big a deal, but this is West by God, Virginia. This is a Power Five team. I mean, granted, it's from the weak ACC, but it's. I'm just saying they, they, they've they've got they've got scholarship
1: players over there. I've got a lot more confidence after watching this game. I do too. Maryland. I do too. I think they. I yeah. think they can. They can pull. Hey. Well, I did kind of predict that they would beat somebody just out of sheer you know, big playability, athleticism. right? So we saw that. We saw that. I yeah. think, I think they can beat more than somebody they can and, beat a couple and to all
0: Maryland fans to, that are attacking me on Twitter. Um, I am not one to shriek away from when I'm wrong. If I am wrong about Maryland and they wind up winning five, six, seven, eight games, you're going to hear me every week. Say I was wrong on Maryland week one into the season. I was
1: wrong on Maryland. I picked them four and eight. Okay, we'll see. So I want to, a couple other things. The defense played pretty well pretty overall. Pretty darn good. Ja'Cory and Bennett had that big interception in the end zone in the fourth quarter. And then, so I liked that, but then I liked that Maryland was able to run the ball, like run the clock out at the end, control the ball and run the clock. That was impressive. Smart football. It was great. Yeah, I, I, I I'm not sure who I came away more impressed with, Rutgers or Maryland this weekend. I would definitely say Maryland. I think probably. bitch Because, because
0: Rockers was so much more dependent on turnovers sure. where Maryland was more straight up box and boxing fight and they won. Right. Yeah. All right, with the win Maryland obviously lose to 1 and all. Next one up, Illinois 30, UTSA 37. The Illini with 412 offense yards of offense which is pretty good, but they gave up 497 yards of total offense to the Roadrunners. Um we tried we tried to talk it into existence speak it into existence that because of the big game letdown that wouldn't affect
1: illinois but i really do think it was part of what happened here you think well i mean they were a little bit unfocused but i thought i thought utsa just was the better football team. If you want to know the truth, I mean, yeah, they could have, I'm not saying Illinois couldn't have won the game. If they cleaned up a little bit, but you look at just like the offensive line, for instance, they were exposed. They did not run the ball well at all. And I put that on, on the offensive line. Yeah. They had a couple of running backs out. Big deal. You should still be able to run the ball and they could not cover Zachary Franklin. No, I mean, it was, they were helpless against that guy.
0: I mean, you're one of your biggest, concerns with this team going into the year was the secondary. I, yeah. if we saw it in the passing game to be honest with you. I think we saw it in the rushing attack as well. Like it's okay to give up a 22 yard run every now and then, but don't give up the 44 yard touchdown. And yeah. we saw
1: it. We did. It, it was, it was a bad player. I mean, I feel like if they played this game 10 times, I feel like UTSA wins more than half of them. They win yes. at least six of them. Yes. But Okay, I think so. I think six would maybe be about there, but I
0: still would be interested to see if this was the first game of the year, how much different this would look. Um, Maybe a little bit beat up from the week before. Maybe it was one of those deals where playing the game before,
1: they're
0: not going to take the win back against Nebraska. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. I just felt like they looked a little slow and lethargic. I don't think it was...
1: As like an outclassing thing is I'm kind of sensing from you. It, it well, yeah, I, no, I'm not saying outclassing, but it's like you, 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 there's no mistake in getting beat on the offensive line. I understand. You know, like you're not, that's not, you're not just suddenly going to play better if you play him again. But, but I mean, they had 412 yards of total offense and 30 points.
0: You should win the game with 412 yards of offense and 30 points. I just felt like it was way more on the defense than it yeah, was. Yeah, the, the defense n- was doo doo. I, I mean, mean Artur Sikowski, much- 22
1: of 42, 266 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, but that was a lot of that was when they were playing from behind. Garbage, but still. I mean he didn't he, hurt him it, w- it wasn't like he was abysmal No he wasn't abysmal and to be, you know a couple things I want to point Juice out 2.0, baby yeah. He catches
0: 101 yards I mean this
1: guy's legit He is 100% legit And then Daniel Barker who by the way had zero catches the first game but it doesn't mean he had a bad game because he was he did excellent blocking in that game He had five catches 74 yards and two big touchdowns It's great to see that And then Deuce Span again had that big catch against Nebraska yep. for about a forty-five yarder down the line. And he catches one again down the sideline for a touchdown this time. Yeah. They found a playmaker out there, which is great because they lost Brian Hightower probably, seems like, for the year, maybe. Right. So some good things there, but yeah, that the defense was putrid. It was bad. Yeah. They, it, they took they took a step back.
0: Like it looked like I mean this the, the look that Beetle was given on the sideline was one that I don't. Know, I feel like Wisconsin fans didn't like by the end. He he didn't look like he had answers. Of course, but I mean this was his second game back. I mean he's still learning his team right now. I think that's fair to say. I I guess what I'm saying is I just don't think it's. I don't. I don't. I think it would be silly to just completely write off illinois because of this game yeah utsa is a team that could wind up winning like eight nine ten games in their division and illinois is a team that's mostly predicted to miss a bowl yeah and they had a chance to tie the game up at the end of the game i mean it was it was pretty close
1: i almost so this game like okay so you have two teams here you have you have illinois with a bunch of players back from a bad big 10 team this is a Group of five team with a bunch of players back from a good and ascending group of five team. My friend Pete that we referenced earlier, he was asking me how to, oh, they should beat UTSA. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm really nervous about this game. He didn't understand that until he watched the game. They were the better team. They
0: were the better team. I just think it's a little closer than maybe you think, and the situational stuff plays into it. It's going to come on to Illinois now to see how they respond from this to see if they can get back playing better football.
1: And by the way, yes, they gave up 216 yards rushing, but that was on 50 attempts. It's not like they were getting gashed in the running game. No. And That's a really good running back, Sincere McCormick. They did give up that long run to the other running back, but I think they did okay on him, and then they just got freaking exposed in the in the passing game. Correct.
0: Yep. So with the loss, Illinois moves to 1-1 one one on the year. That brings us to the Big Ten Game of the Week. This is all the way back at 11 o'clock a.m. Penn State 16, Wisconsin 10. The Nittany Lions with 297 yards of total offense to the Badgers, 359. Um, This was a defensive battle from the get-go. This was an awesome game to kick off Saturday, I thought. Thank you. You know, I don't want to go deep down the path, but... It was incredible. Our our friend maybe has the initials B G. Uh boy, that Clemson, Georgia game. That's all about great athletes on the defense. But the Penn State, Wisconsin game, you know, just bad offenses. That's all it was. Bad
1: offenses. Did he actually say that? Yes, he did.
0: Oh wow. I mean it just it never ends. So Perk and I and a couple other people, uh, you know, we went at him. But anyways, do I think that some some issues on offense happened here and there? Yes, I definitely do think that's the case, okay? Um with that being said, some of the much of the issues for both offenses is from two defenses that are just flying around. I mean, Wisconsin again, seems like there's 12 guys on the field at any given time. It's incredible. I don't know how they do it, but Penn State the same way we were kind of concerned from the front seven, I,
1: I, I had no concerns with the front seven after this game was over. No, and in fact, really, the so the so the, there's two things that decided this game. The three turnovers by Wisconsin, and then the handful of big plays that Penn State had. Correct. That Wisconsin could not come up with a big play to save their lives. They did not. I mean, it was, and I will say, I mean,
0: so uh, Daniel Berger out in J- the game. Jalen Berger. Excuse me, Jalen Berger out in the game. And that big thud you heard coming out of Madison about two o'clock in the afternoon was a lot of big people jumping off the Mertzmobile I mean, Graham Mertz, twenty-two of thirty-seven, two hundred eighty-five yards, zero touchdowns, two picks. He had okay a, a, a fumble exchange that was either his fault or Chalouie. I don't know. There was another fumble that he had that was ruled uh, incomplete
1: pass. It was a spotty performance at best
0: for 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 Graham Mertz.
1: Then so he lost the one fumble, but he also fumbled again, and that was like around the five yard line. It pushed him back. Yep. So it kind of ruined that drive. And then the two interceptions, look, if you can't make that throw down field, that's fine. If you need to be more conservative, but it, he, it didn't right, look good. This is my quote from the Wisconsin fan that I was sitting there watching the game with after, after recruiting this superstar quarterback, we still don't have a good quarterback. Hmm. He was frustrated.
0: Yeah. I, and I, there was a lot of other Badger fans I saw on Twitter frustrated as well, but again, you have got to give Penn state some of the credit yeah. there um, next week. You know, Wisconsin's going to look better on offense probably. Um, but, and then I'd like to see your guy, Che Louis. I mean, 31 carries, 121 yards and a touchdown.
1: Yeah. He, he, he was, was
0: he was good. I mean, you know, I, I, this is a trope, but he's obviously not as good as the Wisconsin running backs that preceded him. Sure. Okay. But he's pretty good. I mean, and, and then you sit there and you wonder, okay, with bur with Berger out, and Che-Louis being the guy. I mean, where would they be if they didn't get this Clemson running wow. back in? Like, it's a crazy thing. Like, Guerrero went in, he looked good. He gave Gr- him a went in. He he gave him a nice pop, but there is no doubt about it that that Ches Malusi is the number one running back. I just find that yeah, interesting.
1: It is. I mean, yeah, they could be SOL without the T P.
0: <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Very well, very well put. Uh, Danny Davis, eight catches, ninety nine yards. Jake Ferguson did Jake Ferguson
1: th- things. Nine catches, fifty two yards. On the other side. So I want to say one more thing: is Graham Mertz was really locked in on Ferguson. He could not get his eyes off that guy. That that's was one of the big problems he had in that game. That is his security blanket. Absolutely, I'm with you. I
0: would say, just just throwing the ball outside. It doesn't seem very confident right now. And then especially in the red zone, he looked lost in the red zone. And that's where Wisconsin typically excels. Yeah. I don't know. That's just something to see how that develops. Now we're not talking much on Penn State. Okay. Sean Clifford, not a fantastic stat line. Stat line. Okay. 18 of 33, 247 yards, one touchdown. I want to give him a little bit of credit though. Well, he had a couple throws where he closed okay. it out there. Okay. Like, did let me okay. Two things for positive for Sean Clifford. You just hit on one. There was a couple throws that he made where, dude, he's got a better arm than people give him Absolutely. credit for. I mean, when he finds. My eyes popped open. Okay. It's, it's a strong arm. Yeah. So we have seen, I mean, this was a high four-star uh, quarterback recruit, I'm pretty sure. So he shows that talent here and there. So that's one positive. The other positive, did he make the big mistake? No, not not in this game. When you go into Madtown and you're playing against that defense, the biggest thing that you can do to hurt your team is make that mistake. That to me shows Sean Clifford, you know, growing up a little bit, getting more comfortable in his new offensive coordinator. That was a the the lack of the bad play
1: were the big plays in the game for Penn State. Yeah, and I guess part of it is they didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to make bad plays. They only had 51 51- plays on the game to the Badgers 95 that's got to be some sort of record and that's so weird isn't it I I mean it it didn't I guess it didn't really seem like it at the time maybe mm. it, well I mean you got a sense
0: that Penn State didn't have the ball very much maybe even more eye-popping yeah. I mean just call it
1: 43 minutes that Wisconsin held the ball to 17 for Penn State I mean if you okay take away the score <laughs> look down the stat line you'd you'd say well except for the, uh, the, the turnovers. turnovers were a big deal But it's just so weird. That's it. 29 first downs to 11. But then the the, the yards were not crazy different. 297 to 359 for the Badgers. So they did a lot with the ball when they had it. I'm with you. But they and they realized that they could not run the ball either. No. Only so Noah
0: Kane, eight eight carries for forty-eight yards. It didn't even feel like he had that many yards. He had the one touchdown. So that's
1: when they just started popping out to Dotson and company. Boy,
0: Jahan Dotson, five catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. He had a nice punt return too. He looks maybe even more elusive and electric than he did last year. Oh, Uh, he looked like it. Yeah. He is
1: and think about the defense he's doing that against.
0: Yeah. That
1: was awesome! Great performance.
0: So I feel like I feel like Penn State is not getting enough credit for this win. I feel like the general reaction to it was, "Boy, Wisconsin's not very good." Um, this was a Wisconsin team that turned the ball over and played too sloppy on offense. Yes, okay. However, if you eliminate the turnovers, and I, I'm not you don't I'm not saying you could just do that. I'm just saying if you did. There's a good chance Wisconsin pulls this game out, and it looks a little bit better. I mean, even if they don't score touchdowns in the red zone when Mertz uh, had had the turnovers, getting the field goals there makes a big difference, right? I still think this is very much the Wisconsin team that we've looked at before, but there definitely
1: is some work in progress on the offensive side of the ball. Speaking of work in progress, this is not a work in progress. No, sir. Jordan Stout, seven punts. Averaging fifty three point nine with the longest seventy six. All right, Gosh. welcome to the punting party, Penn State. They needed it. Yes, we needed another punter
0: in there. Here is another stat that was thrown out. This was a tweet by Zach Haleprin, the sports director at the Zone Madison ninety six point seven FM. Wisconsin is now four and six in its last ten games, mm-hmm. including zero and six against AP top twenty five teams. Yep, we uh. We do need some good stuff to happen in Madtown here in a little bit. And we're uh, as we're recording this, we are watching Notre Dame just browbeat Florida State. So that game's a couple of weeks on deck for the Wisconsin Badgers. They've there's some interesting times coming in Madison. The the Badgers are disgruntled. But I know I'm kind of talking out of two sides of my mouth, but not as down as people seem to be. I mean, people are dancing on their grave right now. It's ridiculous. That is a Very good defense with a rushing attack that ran the ball pretty well versus a very good Penn State
1: front seven. Like, guys, just chill out a little bit. So, My guess is Wisconsin's going to still be pretty good playing football this so year. So you shouldn't give up on the whole season because they're 0-1? Is that what you're saying? It's just a little bit of a life lesson in there. Okay. Like, even if, let's say, that knocks them out of the college football playoff, should you just stop watching them? It's not, it's not how I roll, but I okay. I wouldn't pretend to tell you, the listener, how you're supposed to I think. just have I, I know somebody that has that that sentiment right now okay all right yeah. all right as a badgers fan it's just the season's over season is not over but they got some work to do they do okay with the win penn state moves
0: to one and zero. wisconsin obviously falls to zero and one so last thing i want to say with the podcast and in the last for an eight day period i got five live football contests. right my nephew's high school game yep. that you went to with yep. me nebraska and illinois yes sir that you went to me Ohio State at Minnesota, that you went to me, traveled down, watched my nephew play his second Mm. high school game, and then Indiana at Iowa. That was five live football contests in eight days. That's pretty good. It was fantastic. And here's the thing. Was their excitement – how was the excitement at the stadiums? Unreal. How was the excitement at the tailgates? Not just ours here in Minnesota, but my tailgate down in Iowa City. Unreal. Probably the drunkest, like the highest blood alcohol content I've seen at our tailgate in years. Really? Okay. Yes. And then the excitement coming through your TV screen, it's unreal. You know, it's not just good enough to just exist. You got to live. And I live for college football. You live for college football. We need this sport. This is a big part of our lives. Don't feel guilty About how much you enjoyed watching the games. And if you were lucky enough to go to one of these games, keep fighting to go to these games. This is a part of us, this is in our DNA. And go and enjoy it. Don't let anybody make you feel guilty for it. I mean, at the beginning of the Iowa game, I'm sitting with my brother, Darren the American. They did back in black, timed it out perfectly, had my first beer at Kinnick Stadium. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't be, right? I couldn't go. And not have a beer at the first time a beer was available at Kinnick Stadium. So I got a beer in my hand, my arm around my brother as they're playing the national anthem. Did I tear up and cry? No. (laughs) But was I feeling a little dusty? Yes. Then I, at the end of the first quarter, turn around, wave to the kids in the hospital. I needed it. My brother needed it. The other 70,000 people in Kinnick Stadium needed it. The players, the coaches, the kids... It's important. We need that stuff. Life is about more than existing. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big podcast brought to you by Amador Whiskey. We will talk to you soon.